It's the end of the world as we know it, and I feel fine. That's great, it starts with an earthquake, birds, snakes, and aeroplanes. Many fruits are not afraid. I have a fatigue, listen to yourself, to the world, but it don't need something to your own head. Beat it up and I've seen got no scoops. The ladder puts the platter with the fear fight down. Like fire in a fire, but the southern gang and the government for hiring the combat site. But you wasn't coming in a hurry, leave the jury down your neck. Reporter, the Trump, the problem, but that low plane, fine, overflow, five corner, but it'll be the devil, the devil, world, and you know your heart, tell me that the river, and the river was the right, you patriotic, patriotic, plan, my right, my feeling is pretty it's like, it's the end of the world, as we know it, it's the end of the world, as we know it, it's the end of the world, as we know it, and I feel Welcome to the Doom and Bloom Hour with medical preparedness experts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. Your source for information on how to succeed if everything else fails. And now, your hosts, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. This is the end of the world as we know it. Or the end of the year as that's, we know it. That's what I was going to say. Right. It's the end of the year. End of the year as Yay. we know it. Well, happy new year, <laughs> everybody. This is the beginning of 2016, and we're very, very glad to be here. At the, Wait, this... we still didn't say who we are. Oh, okay, well. The uh, Doom and Bloom Show. That's right. We're <laughs> welcome to the Doom and Bloom Survival Medicine Hour. We're a night of normality in a naughty world and a new year. Mm-hmm. I am Joe Alton, MD, also known as Dr. Bones of doomandbloom.net, where you'll find over 700 articles and podcasts and videos and all sorts of stuff. Oh, exactly. All sorts of on stuff. On medical preparedness for any disaster. Uh, I'm here to, to do what? To put a medically prepared person... In every, every family. Fa- for 2016. That's right. And who are you? <laughs> I'm Amy Alton. I'm a certified nurse midwife and an advanced registered nurse practitioner. And you are truly the hostess with the mostest. Aww. And together we are the watchers on the wall. We watch it all for you to help you keep it together until everything falls apart. But even if everything doesn't fall apart, and hopefully you're, it won't. you're going to learn a lot if you listen to our show. Mm-hmm. Hey, friends and neighbors, have you been injured in an accident with a wily coyote? Ha, ha, ha. <laughs> our attorney says, don't call me. Call Dr. Bones Nurse Amy and listen to this. All meep, a- meep, oh. meep, beep. <laughs> all information given and you're so cute all information given and opinions voiced on dr bones and nurse amy's survival medicine hour are for entertainment purposes only and do not represent medical advice for anything other than post-apocalyptic settings no contract or provider patient relationship exists or is implied between the hosts and listeners, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy strongly urge their audience to seek modern and standard medical care whenever and wherever it is available. That's right. Listen not to what we say. Listen not to anything that we say. Well, (laughs) you should listen to what we say, honestly, because you might just keep your family safe in times of trouble if you do. Mm -hmm. Hey, do you have a pearl of wisdom in that oyster of yours? Well, come on down and share it with the rest of the class, will you? We admit it. We learn as much from you as you do from us. It's true. So send us a note, and here's Nurse Amy to tell you how. Absolutely. You can contact us by email at drbonespodcast at aol.com. 
You can find us on Facebook at our group Survival Medicine, Dr. Bones and Nurse Amy. We have a couple Facebook pages, Doom and Bloom and Dr. Bones, Nurse Amy. You can follow us on Twitter at Prepper Show. And don't forget our YouTube channel, Dr. Bones, which is Dr. Bones, Nurse Amy. Oh my and, gosh, that's a recurrent theme. <laughs> and our video cast on the first and third Wednesdays of every month at AroundTheCabin.com. And of course, that. you can listen to us on several different network stations, That's including right. the Prepper Broadcasting. Right, the USA Emergency Broadcasting Network, Survival Central Radio, Shake and Wake Radio, all sorts of great folks with great shows and great hosts. Make sure you check them out. And I just want to thank you guys again for 2016 for rebroadcasting our show. We really, really appreciate it. You help us complete our mission that's right well i wouldn't say complete we're probably never going to complete it right because we're not gonna be able to get everyone to have a medic in their family but we'll get as close as possible that's right before our last positive thinking i I could just see us 90 and 80 or 70 something years old just oh we're still got to get out there and go to the shows and feverishly working to you know Put what? people in, medically prepared people in every family. That's right. Hard work keeps people alive. It has been shown that when people have worked a very long time in their life and they're, they're much older, past uh, retirement age, and they're still working hard, that if somebody forces them to stop doing what they obviously love doing, um, they pass faster. So it's okay to work hard, folks, as long as it's not causing health problems. I don't know. Keep the mind sharp. With all those and allergies. And hands busy. I see a lot of people that are have allergies. Allergies to hard work. Uh-oh. <laughs> <laughs> you only have an allergy to heights. <laughs> I do. I, yeah, I'm, I don't like heights. I'll yeah. tell you that much. But anyhow. Sorry, no Ferris wheels for us. That's, that's okay. <laughs> that's right. Hey, you know, Elton John once sang that Saturday night is all right for fighting. And in Kentucky... Oh, 2,000 no. teenagers proved him right, sure enough, on Saturday night. Louisville. That's right. Chain reaction brawls involving up to 2,000 people. Yeah, brawl involving 2,000 people. Imagine that. Erupted in one of Kentucky's I largest malls Saturday night. They forced the entire mall and businesses in the surrounding area to shut down for the rest of the weekend. What in the world? It is just amazing. It was hours long, a chaos at the Mall St. Matthews. That happened about 7 p.m. on Saturday night when the exactly six police officers assigned to the entire mall wound up responding to disturbances, as they called it. And those disturbances seemed to just feed on themselves, making others break out. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it was just You looked at me cross-eyed. You accidentally bumped into my friend. I mean, goodness, can you imagine all the excuses for them to just just start fighting it's just crazy eventually 50 officers from five different agencies were involved and it was just a series of brawls and everybody involved was between 13 and 20 years of age well they don't have a lot of restraint when they're that age and i will still say that kentuckians are some of the nicest people in the country and i'm very very happy to call some of them my friends and 
I have a lot of distant relatives that are still there. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> in the southern part. So although you may not know it, you could be a cousin of mine. That's right. That's right. <laughs> if you're a Kentuckian. <laughs> well, amaz- so, amazingly, what happened was that as businesses were trying to close because of the riding, what happened, they have these grates that they raise and they lower mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, to close the yes, stores. the and, metal grates, right. And, and teenagers were just hanging on the grates and we're not allowing people to actually close the store. So it was just pandemonium over there do they know why the the initial the, part started uh, with just a few people it's just really hard to say it's baffling nobody, nobody knows nobody's admitting to being the first one who's right struck a punch that's true according to this investigators haven't determined what sparked the outbreak of violence they don't believe it was planned uh saint matthews is a suburb of about eighteen thousand people outside of louisville it's a normally quiet city uh, it says here that it sees no more than two murders a year now, 18,000 people, two murders, actually doesn't seem like nothing to me. I mean, Very we live in a town rate. bigger than that, and I don't know if there was a murder here last year. That's true. So mm-hmm. that is... Uh, I don't know. Maybe, there could have been. Uh, I need to look guys, that up. I don't know. <laughs> All right. Well, anyhow... well, I'm, I'm always looking things up. I will get you the answer. I am glad that things have quieted down there a little bit, but in other news... You know, emergency responders are still searching for survivors after a series of tornadoes and other severe weather events created havoc across North Texas on Saturday, our favorite state, resulting in the deaths of at least 11 people. Now, the twisters were accompanied by torrential rain, wind, and hail, as a matter of fact, and they were responsible for eight deaths in Garland, Texas, two deaths in Copeville, and another death in Blue Ridge. That's according to the Associated Press. This weather has been insane. Uh, yeah, I usually we talk about tornadoes and things like that in, in the, the spring. spring. Right. That's when it starts. I know. L- local officials estimate... It's very rare, isn't it? It is um, less common uh, in the dead of winter, certainly. I mean, I guess this it's been so warm, I can't really call it the dead of winter, though, at, at this point. Uh, local officials estimated as many as a thousand homes were damaged or destroyed. A thousand vehicles were mangled, were mangled, power lines fell, t- trees were toppled. Boy, there's a few tongue twisters here. Uh, heavy rain, wind, and falling temperatures hampered cleanup efforts on sa- Sunday afternoon. There were dozens that were injured in what Dallas County Health and Human Services Director Zach Thompson called a war zone. Forecasters said that two of the tornadoes that hit the Dallas area had winds nearing 200, 200 miles what? an hour. The tornado in the suburb of Garland has been rated as an F4, and that's now the second tor- most powerful tornado on the damage scale used by meteorologists, generally strong enough to level well-constructed homes and toss cars around. Holy mackerel. The The Weather Center always uh, also said that damage in nearby Rollet Indicated it was likely an EF3 tornado there with winds up to 165 miles an hour. Four people killed were involved in traffic accidents during the massive storm, uh, which occurred, according to this, around 6.30 or so. Mm -hmm. That's, uh, I guess, around the end of rush hour. Uh, At least three people who died were found in vehicles, although it was unclear if they were among the four that were involved in traffic accidents. Um, 
Some cars appeared to be thrown from Interstate 30 and George Bush Turnpike when the tornado hit. Several other tornadoes touched down in the Dallas area, according to the National Weather Service. The Red Cross says it's setting up shelters for people whose homes were damaged by the storm. A thousand homes, so I guess that they'll certainly... Uh, have some full shelters tonight. I think everyone understands the gravity of what happened. The American Red Cross of North Texas spokesman said the governor made disaster declarations for Dallas, Collin, Rockwall, and Ellis counties and warned that the number of victims could rise. There are people that are missing. On the other side of of the state, uh, the Department of Public Safety in Amarillo strongly discouraged travel throughout the entire panhandle a 26-county area covering 26,000 square miles because blowing and drifting snow has made the roads impassable. Wow, what is going on here? (coughs) Excuse me. That is something. Oklahoma Governor Mary Fallon also declared a state of emergency. There were blizzard conditions, a nice storm warning out west, flood warnings in the east, and one place had received nine inches of rain. It also, further north in Missouri and Illinois, there was a lot of rain also causing dangerous traffic conditions, killing six people overnight when two separate vehicles drove onto flooded roadways in south-central Missouri. The the body of a driver Saturday was recovered from a creek in the southwest part of the state as well. Jeez Louise, you know, this is incredible. I I don't remember seeing this number of tornadoes uh, reported at this time of the year. I mean, every year in the United States uh, during the spring, we go through various natural disasters. I mean, in the spring, tornadoes are some of the most common things you that you'll hear about, especially you know up and down Tornado Alley. Uh, you know, unlike hurricanes, tornadoes uh, come with very little warning. They're unpredictable. They form very quickly. I mean, with a, a hurricane, you wind up getting a few days' notice, but you don't with tornadoes. And if you fail to plan ways to protect yourself and your family, you might find yourself having to treat significant traumatic injuries in the immediate aftermath. Now, later, flooding might contaminate your water supplies, could expose you to serious infectious disease. So you got to prepare to weather the storm safely, and that way you'll avoid major medical issues later on. Now, for those of you who haven't been haven't experienced a tornado, I have. Uh, it's a violently rotating column of air. It's in contact with both the surfaces of the earth and the thunderstorm itself, often called a supercell, uh, the thing that spawned it. And usually, you see them in the form of a, of a dark funnel with all sorts of flying debris in and around it. Now, they're often difficult to see when they're close up. Uh, a tornado is also called a twister and may have winds of up to 300 miles an hour and uh, these that had 200 miles an hour did a heck of a lot of damage. One tornado was considered to be so strong that it actually knocked a, rail, a train off some railroad tracks. Uh, of course, they're involved with hail and, and significant amounts of rain. I'll tell you that from a personal standpoint, they emit a roaring sound like a locomotive going by. Oh, yeah, I heard one when I was you know, a kid living in Georgia. Right, there you we go. Had- Right. Well, it jumped over our house, thank goodness. But it knocked a tree that was leaning. We were the house was on a facing uphill, and the tree was in front of the house. You would naturally think that the tree would fall downhill. Well, thankfully the tree fell uphill wow. because the tornado came from the back of the house and popped it straight up the hill instead of 
flat over the house. Now, you were lucky there. We were underneath where the tree would have fallen. Well, I had the bouncing tornado effect, except I got actually hit by the tornado. Aww. This was when I, about three weeks after I bought my first home, oh. and it knocked off all sorts of tiles and uh, knocked one of the trees down nearby. I mean, it was crazy. So... They're just like, I mean, there are a lot of tornadoes. I mean, this is, the uh, the United States is the country that has the most tornadoes in the world. Really? In they, the world? Yes, in the world. Oh, I didn't realize yeah, that. I knew al- we had a lot, but. Right. There are almost a thousand tornadoes every year in the United States and more. And I think there are more now than there have been before. Now, Tornado Alley, I mentioned that earlier. That's an area that includes Texas, Oklahoma, Missouri, three states that I just mentioned, mm-hmm. plus Kansas, Arkansas, and neighboring states. And the peak seasons really are not in December or or, or coming on to January. They're all they're in the spring and early summer when you usually see them. I know. Um, the and, injury, and the, I can understand maybe a, a rare hurricane, like some freakish storm happening, but there are just so many of them the past few days. They didn't seem to stop. Yeah, I, yeah. Just I, went on and on, and it was... Not just one state or one little isolated area. It was a huge, broad area over several days. You're exactly right. And so this is, to me, just a little bit unusual. I mean, we, the reports that we're getting are from all sorts of different areas, and we're getting all sorts of these of tornadoes, all, all numbers of tornadoes that, and they're strong enough to kill people. So Ugh. this is this is pretty bad. Um, Tornadoes, I mentioned before that uh, it was an F4, and F4 tornadoes yeah, F4. Uh, are 207 to 260 miles an hour, oh, and shoot. the damage is considered devastating, and sure mm. enough, that's what's happened. There's actually a, a stronger one, you know, but and the funny thing is that they actually call it incredible, the amount of damage. Well, I'm sure it is incredible, the amount of damage that does occur. So what can you do? out there to protect yourself from a tornado, especially if you're not going to have much warning of it. Well, you know, some municipalities have sirens or other methods of warning you of an approaching twister, but it's important to have a plan of your own for your family to weather the storm. Children should be taught where to find the medical kits, how to turn off gas and electricity if they're old enough to to be able to handle that. you got to give your loved ones experience in using a, a fire extinguisher and some training in the treatment of injuries, all of this stuff, first aid, that is highly useful. Now, if you see a twister funnel, you should take shelter immediately. Don't stare at it or don't try to drive along with it. That is a big mistake. Although many people can stay in their homes, if you live in a mobile home, please leave. They are very vulnerable to damage from winds. So... Get to the nearest building that has a tornado shelter in areas where there are tornadoes. There are a lot of buildings that are solid buildings that are designated just for that purpose. Many of the shelters in in those buildings are underground, as a matter of fact. You should put together, if you live in Tornado Alley, you might consider putting together your own underground shelter. And at the very least, make sure you know what your municipality's tornado plan is and the shelter location. And, of course... That goes for your kids' school as well. You should know what their plans are. And this is very important because the likelihood is that you are you and your kids might not be together, together right. at that moment. Unlike bunkers and other shelters that we as preppers and 
would ordinarily consider their bunker or you know someplace they would live long term Mm -hmm. a tornado shelter really has to provide safety for a very short period of time so it doesn't really have to be very large if you have eight to ten square feet per person that's probably acceptable for the amount of time that you're going to need to to be in there despite this make sure you to consider ventilation and whatever special needs that some people may have in your family older folks or the kids now if you don't have a shelter just find a place in the house where the family members can go if a tornado is heading your way basements bathrooms closets inside rooms on the first floor those are the best options stay away from rooms with windows these easily shatter from impact due to flying debris and for added protection if you are in a room in your house when the tornado tornado passes get under a heavy object such as a sturdy table cover your body with a sleeping bag a mattress something else as an additional shield is a good idea as well and of course discuss a plan of action with each and every member of your family in such a way that they'll know what to do by heart it's just going to be part of their natural muscle memory now, planning home tornado drills is a great idea to, for the kids, especially to learn what to do if a, if a twister comes your way. Now, if you're in a car and can drive to a shelter, do so. Although you may be hesitant to leave your vehicle, remember they can be easily tossed around by the winds. You might be safer if there's a culvert or other protected area lower than the roadway. Something that would allow you to be out of the wind and protected thrown around if you especially if you're in your car remember your car does protect you from flying debris i mean it's heavier than you are so it's going to be harder to get off the ground and and toss around even though some of the big hurricane uh, tornadoes can do that keep your seatbelt on if that's the case you know put your head down below the level of the windows cover yourself with something and you might still weather the storm now, if you're caught outside when the tornado hits, stay away. That's scary. Right. Stay away from wooded areas. There's going to be all sorts of debris, torn branches and if stuff. If you're on a golf course right. or a, in a park right. having a picnic. Right. They become missiles. So an open field, although maybe a fairway of a golf course may actually be safer. There are not a lot of trees on a fairway That's of a golf true. course. Right. So it might not be so bad. Now, if there's a low spot in the ground, that might give you some that lower than sand the rest. trap. Get in the yep. sand trap. Get in the sand trap. Right. Absolutely. That actually, sand trap that is your enemy may be your savior one day. Right. Well, how about that? That is sort of interesting that there's like an entire golf course strategy for tornadoes for tornadoes yes and and the you are the author of that strategy good for <laughs> <Sand> you <traps. laughs> i think that is awesome uh, make sure you cover your head by the way if at all possible even if it's just with your hands if you're out outside of course if you're out, if, if you've got enough time and you're in your home fill up that bathtub with water you need uh, about a gallon a day for every member of your family i don't have to tell that's you that's just survival preparedness yes you of course you, you need you gotta fill that bathtub up when something's happening there you go you gotta have food medical supplies and uh somebody actually recommends having a bullhorn with you uh in case you're buried under de- debris i i was told given this i was given this idea and i thought that was a pretty good uh, a great idea at the very least if you can't have a bullhorn you probably should have a whistle on you that you can blow so people will know that you're stuck in your cellar or you're under debris now if you have a plan of action you'll know what to do when you see that funnel cloud or hear that tornado siren so check out your home figure out what the weak and strong spots educate your loved ones on the right strategy and you'll have a head start of getting through that tornado alive now i have some other things that i want to talk about yes 
And uh, what did you? What topics do we have today? Well, I want to talk surviving tornadoes. Well, I think last week or the week before, I talked about ticks, and so I want to talk about lice today. We haven't talked about that in a while. Uh, In nature, of course, a lot of animals take make specific efforts to keep themselves clean. They preen, they groom, and uh, that's part of what keeps them healthy. And, And the human urge is also to be clean, although. Uh, not related, although you may doubt it if you have seen your teenage uh, son lately, his room lately. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's not related to instinct, but, you know, our urge to be clean has done its job as well. I mean, the, uh, we spent a lot of time and effort remain, uh, in, in getting ourselves clean, remaining clean. And that translates into resistance to disease. That's a good thing. When humans are under stress, attention to hygiene suffers because all available energy has to be directed to activities of daily survival. And as survival medic out there, your responsibility is to prevent unsanitary conditions from affecting the health of your family. Indeed, diligence in this matter is one of the major factors going to determine your success or failure as a caregiver in times of trouble. Now, when we consider a person with hygiene issues, we usually expect them to have what a stinky s- yeah, stinky an odor right <laughs> body odors occur why because sweat mixes with bacteria that we have and has a party right and we in all in your armpits right we know that certain bacteria is healthy and certain bacteria can lead to disease as well that's right and it's up to the medic to ensure that hygiene issues don't put the survival group at risk mm-hmm. strict enforcement of good sanitation and hygiene policy is going to do more to keep your family healthy than anything that i nurse amy or anybody else in the <laughs> medical field can do for you right now assuring the accumulation of various cleansing items, such as soap or detergent, that's part of your responsibilities. And when these are no longer available, the goal of staying clean is difficult to achieve, even with the best of intentions. So you got to have this stuff and you got to have it in quantity. As a matter of fact, it'd probably be a good barter item as well. Now, important areas where cleanliness is going to increase your chance of survival includes uh, foot care, dental health, uh, any situation where sore feet and toothache are present, that uh portends a good a significant decrease in efficiency at a time mm-hmm. when everybody's got to be at 100%. Absolutely. Now with the increase in physical labor that we're going to be required to perform in a survival setting, it's a simple fact we're going to get sweaty and dirty and the dirtier and wetter we get, the more prone we're going to be to problems such as infections and infestations. And we're right. going to talk about infestation with one thing today, but you can medic improve the chances of avoiding these problems. Now, the problem that I'm talking about today is going to be lice. It's also known as pediculosis. Uh, Lice is, by the way, a plural. The singular for lice is louse. And if you are loaded with lice, then you are lousy. Right? (laughs) Right. Right. Now, now lice, or the common louse, is uh, these are wingless insects that feed on blood. They're found on many species. And on humans, we actually are lucky. We have three different species. And the three different species are the head louse, uh, uh, pediculus humanus capitus, the body louse, pediculus humanus corporis, and the pubic louse, or the crab, theris pubis. So, body lice 
are an issue because they can act as a vector to transmit disease to human hosts. Now, at present, there's no evidence that head or pubic lice do that, but all body lice do, and, and all lice cause irritation that can have major implications for the health of your family or group in survival settings. Sometimes the irritation and itching caused by lice breaks the skin, which allows other infections to develop. Lice are, generally speaking, and this is important to know, they're species-specific. You cannot, as an example, get lice from your dog, like you can get fleas. You get them only from other humans. And it's interesting to note the human lice and chimpanzee lice diverged from each other evolutionarily about 6 million years ago, almost exactly when their hosts went their separate ways, according to uh, scientific theory. Now, major risk factors for lice infections include crowded, unsanitary conditions or situations where close personal contacts unavoidable. Well, in normal times, that would be where in schools where ordinarily clean children come in contact with those who have lice. Right. Now, the sharing of personal items can also lead to infestations, clothing, combs, bedding, towels uh, that are used by multiple individuals are common ways that lice can be spread from people to people uh, or person to person. These risks are even more pronounced in survival settings. Head lice are grayish-white as adults. They reach the size of a small sesame seed. Uh, when they're adults, infestation with head lice can cause itching and sometimes a rash. However, this type of lice is not a carrier of any other disease. As we mentioned earlier, head lice are relatively common, so much so that 6 to 12 million cases a year are reported in the United States, mostly among young kids. Now, with their less developed immune systems, kids often don't even realize when they're infested with lice. Adults, however, are usually kept scratching and irritated unless they are treated. An interesting fact is that many African Americans are somewhat resistant to head lice, possibly due to the shape and width of the hair shaft. Now, the diagnosis of lice is made, or pediculosis is made by identifying the presence of the louse or its nits, another word for eggs. Nits look like small bits of dandruff that are stuck to hairs and more easily seen when you examine a person using a black light. Who the heck is going to have a black light? But well, if you a did lot of people it, had black light in the 70s and 60s. That's right. So, I had a black light. Did you have one? Yeah, well, I did. In, did you? <laughs> indeed, I did. I'll tell you what, it, it will. one thing it will show up is a lot of um, dust. Yep. Remember how it showed up the dust right. and you realized how dirty your room was? Right. Well, <laughs> you see it, the dust on your mirror. Well, the it dust shows on a lot of bed. other nasty, dirty things like nits, like lice eggs. It causes them <laughs> to fluoresce. They look like light blue dots attached to the hair shafts about a quarter of an inch above the scalp, uh, the, the surface of the scalp. Well, let's say, well, all I can say is that black lights are going to be pretty rare commodities in a collapse, so uh, a fine-tooth comb is probably a good thing to have, and you can run that through the hair, and that'll reveal both the adult lice and their nits. These special combs are used to remove as many lice as possible before you treat with uh, with other products, and it helps to check for them later on. And by the way, the, the diligence that you need to take care of lice led to the coining of the term. What term? What? 
Nitpicking. Nitpicking. Oh my gosh. That's, that's right. So funny. Aha. We've said that a million times. That's right. Nitpicking. That's right. Uh, the lice are going to be firmly attached to the hair shaft, as I mentioned. They're going to appear, uh, the nits, uh, the nits are rather, are going to appear yellowish white. They'll be oval shaped. Uh, and uh, by the way, if you apply a little olive oil to the comb, that sometimes makes them easier to remove. Now, a lot of people will buy the. Uh, pharmacy uh, uh, pharmacy bought knit combs mm -hmm. but actually there are probably better ones made of metal that you can find at pet stores for animals so I would suggest getting one of those but maybe one that you dedicate to yourself or your <laughs> the person a human being yes. that, that has that has lice now in normal times I'm going to want you to wash and dry all your clothes in hot temperatures or alternatively place them in the freezer that actually will kill the lice if you keep it there for a few days. Now, if you're off-grid, place clothing and personal items in a plastic bag for a couple of weeks. So, because because so heat kills them. Heat, heat will or kill them, cold, or, or absence of oxygen. Right, the lice basically like human temperature. So, mm -hmm. you know, anything much below room temperature gotcha. or or very very hot that they really don't care for because they are attuned to us. Right. Into our, our temperatures. Uh, interestingly, so attuned to us that uh, adult lice usually live only a few days off the host. Now, there's body well, lice. That's also. good news, unlike um, bed bugs that will right. live for a very long time. Oh, yeah. In your do. house. Now, there are other kinds of lice. Now, I'm talking about head lice now. Yes. There are other kinds of lice that indeed are much more, much longer lasting, can last for a longer time. Mm -hmm. Body lice. They're latecomers compared to head lice. It probably first appeared when humans began to wear clothes, and they've turned out to be lice on steroids. Uh-oh. You know, let's face it, the concept of doing laundry occurred probably somewhat later. So, <laughs> yeah, do you think? Yeah, right. So, <laughs> so constant contact with dirty clothes cause frequent infestations. Now, body lice have been linked to various infectious diseases, <clears throat> pretty serious ones like typhus, trench fever, and epidemic relapsing fever. Continuous exposure to body lice may lead to areas on the skin that become hardened and deeply pigmented, mm -hmm. which is a condition previously known as vagabond's disease because it was only seen in hobos. Or what, is that a word anymore? In <laughs> bums. Um, or no, is that a word? Are, I, in vagrants. I, I, homeless. Homeless. I guess they're using Homeless is now. better. Homeless is better, yes. Sorry, folks. This is the generation that we grew up in. I mean, I grew up knowing them as hobos. It's not, I mean, we didn't think of it as some horrible thing to say. It just was what they were. Um, but well, yeah, I'm I just a crotchety old man, so I'm not okay. going to, I'm not apologizing. I, I know the first time I went to New York City, I said, oh, there's some hobos. And the guy who was showing us around said, that's not what we call them here. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> but that's what I grew up knowing. I'm sorry. <laughs> Didn't mean anything by it. <laughs> well, anyhow, so infestations will certainly be, a, in normal times, an issue common with the homeless or in undeveloped countries, but it's going to likely be an epidemic in settings where regular bathing and washing of clothes is impossible for the general population, certainly if some major disaster occurs, that would be the case. Mm -hmm. Now, body lice, as I mentioned, are a little larger than head lice. They also differ in that they don't really live on your body. They actually live on your clothes, especially the seams of your clothes. 
and they go to the human body only to feed on your blood. Mm. Also, they're much sturdier than because they can live without human contact for 30 days or so, about the amount of time the bed, bed bugs, bugs right, yep. can. Uh, now, so basically, you need when you look at bedding seams and cl- seams of clothes, you want to look for that, and of course, you want to look for bed bugs as well. Um, well, that that's a subject for another to- another mm-hmm. time. Now, you if you have infest- clothing infested with body lice, destroy it absolutely. Get rid of it, destroy it, burn it, do whatever you need to do. Now, there is medication uh, that you can use, and we're going to talk about that in in just a second. Uh, might not be necessary to body lice if the lice left with the clothes, but I wouldn't bet on it. <laughs> right? There are also pubic infestations with lice, and, uh, and there's oh, not just lice, not just right, not just lice, yeah. but also mites. Now, pubic lice are known as crabs, and that and uh, infection infestations with crabs usually start in the pubic region, and eventually make can extend that really anywhere. There's hair. Uh, they're most commonly passed by sexual contact, and severe itching is the main s- symptom, and it involves uh, can involve the eyelashes, the armpit, anywhere that anywhere that there's hair. Now, they're sometimes seen in a patient that has other sexual diseases. But the pubic lice actually does not transmit other diseases. Aha. So it is innocent of that, but it is guilty well, good. <laughs> of causing a great deal of irritation. Now, those are another interesting thing about pubic lice is that, or crabs, is that it's one of the sexually transmitted diseases that is not prevented by using a condom. Because so. they just crawl from person to person. Now, are crabs the same thing as scabies? The answer is no. no. Scabies is often confused with crabs but or, or pubic lice, but it's caused by another creature, creature entirely a tiny eight-legged mites of the species Sarcoptus scabii. And like pubic lice, they can be passed through sexual contact and other direct skin-to-skin contact with another human, but not from animals. Now, unlike lice, however, the mites don't live and reproduce on hair shafts, they burrow through the skin, forming these small raised bumps that may become crusty over time. These areas may hold hundreds, maybe thousands of mite eggs, and itching is usually severe, most intense at night. It's murder for those people that have That's it. like bed bugs. Yeah, it's, it's worse because they're, they're laying their eggs on you. In you. Excuse me, not on you, in you. Disgusting. And so, under the skin. Uh, Scabies can be seen, oftentimes seen on skin folds, even with those people uh, that have little hair, uh, like infants. I think I only saw a couple, maybe a couple cases of scabies. Not too many. Knock on wood. That's probably a good thing. Yeah. Um, You'll find them, uh, you can see them in newborns, you can see them... On the folds of, uh, of the wrists, of the elbows, anywhere in between fingers and toes, anywhere where there are skin folds mm-hmm. is where they like to hang out. Now, infestation with lice and also mites can be treated with medications that we call pediculocides. And they include pyrethrin, which is uh, brand name RID shampoo. It's a natural product also... Uh, Come, it's processed from a natural product found in chrysanthemum flowers, as a matter of fact, or permethrin, which is different than pyrethrin, but uh, 
in the same sort of family, I suppose. Uh, 1% solution, that is called Nix. That comes as a lotion. And it is it's basically a synthetic, synthetic version, version right? Right, That's what it is. Right? Of, of pyrethrin. <laughs> Um, the stronger medications are Lindane shampoo, which is also uh, called Quell, and that is something that is not good for kids uh, be- below a certain age, about eight or something like that, right. uh, because it can cause ner- ner- nerve damage. Uh, Spinosad is um, brand name Natroba. It's a natural insecticide. Natroba. That's N A T R O. B-A. And that's actually useful. And that's only for head lice, though. And that's used in children uh, that are four years or older. And there's ivermectin, and that's 0.5 milligrams, uh, brand name Sklice. Percent. I'm sorry. That's okay. Percent. Brand name Sklice, S-K-L-I-C-E. And that also comes from bacteria in the soil. And it's also only for head lice, but you can use them in kids six months old or older. So the... These are not exactly the same things. Nix lotion, permethrin, will kill both the lice and her eggs. Rid shampoo kills the lice, not necessarily the eggs. So you mm-hmm. got to repeat the shampoo treatment about a week later. We have talked about uh, natural medicines for this. Right. Are you going to mention that yes, later? Yes, okay, I will good. indeed. Um, there are. This is really not a bad strategy with uh, the other treatments, by the way, to do them. Do it a second. Oh, oh, yes. Second one, uh, yes. about a week later, it 10 days later. It cannot hurt to do that. Right. Absolutely. Right. Uh, you also need to nitpick, haha, <laughs> which means that you have to be diligent. Don't be so in, nitpicky. In keeping an eye out for <laughs> persistent nits and adults. Right. You can ask your physician for a prescription for Quell, by the way, shampoo, this is prescription stuff. It's a stockpile. It's a much stronger treatment. But remember, it's not the greatest thing for kids. You probably shouldn't use it. Now, here's some general instructions for using these kinds of products. Now, you want to start with uh, dry hair. If you Mm -hmm. use hair conditioners, stop for a few days before using the product. This will allow the medicine to have the most effect on the hair shaft. Uh, Uh, Otherwise, conditioners coat the hair shaft. Yes, which makes your hair shiny and soft. And beautiful, yes, of course. (laughs) Uh, You want to apply the medicine to the hair and scalp. You rinse it off after about 10 minutes or so. Then you check for lits, uh, nits and lice. Uh, lits and nice. Lits and say. nice. For nice, lice and nits. Nice lits. Yes, nice. They're nice lits. Yeah, right. <laughs> lice and nits using a comb uh, 8 to 12 hours afterwards and then repeat the process a week later. Now, wash all linens so you don't throw away in hot water, at least 120 hot, degrees. Hot, hot, water. hot water. Unwashable items such as stuffed animals that you just can't part yourself, part with. Um, they got to be placed in plastic bags for at least two weeks. For head lice, five weeks for body lice. That way they starve uh, to death. I have a recommendation. And for yeah. all of us preppers out there that have food savers, get it in a sealable bag, a vacuum-packed bag, and suck all that oxygen out. That'll show them a lesson. That I think would be a good idea. vacuum pack that everything you have to keep. I get rid of the rest of it. Not but a bad idea. Everything you have to keep, try to vacuum pack. Not a bad idea. Combs and brushes should be placed in alcohol or very hot water. Mm-hmm. Um, your patients should change uh, their clothes daily, by the way. It is a general rule. This is going to be problematic, of course, in austere settings. Mm-hmm. But it certainly would be wise for any items that might have been exposed to lice at any point to be treated, even if it belongs to other family members than the person that had the that you identified the condition with. Mm-hmm. Have enough particular site <clears throat> product in your storage to treat the entire group if you have to. 
Now, over time, commercial medications are going to run out uh, if something really bad happens. But natural medicines, natural remedies for lice, they even existed for, gosh, thousands of years. Mm-hmm. Even the commercial medications, like I mentioned, like Ridge Shampoo, use substances extracted from chrysanthemum flowers. Right. So uh, another favorite uh, anti-lice product, by the way, which contains peppermint, among other things, is clear lice. Now, a combination used for lice utilizes tea tree and neem oils. That That's pretty popular. One uh, therapy mixes a blend of vinegar, tea tree oil, and neem oil. And you apply that daily for 21 days. Uh, also, people have used witch hazel with tea tree oil, applying that after showering for 21 days. And uh, that's been reported as being effective. Uh, some people uh, use neem, lavender, and tree tro- tea tree oil in combination to the pubic region that might be effective in eliminating scabies uh all of these mes- medis- methods by the way require dis- really diligent removal of nits and adult lice by combing beforehand make sure that you do this to decrease the load that these treatments have to deal with now I've seen recommendations to suffocate head lice with mayonnaise and lard and butter and coconut oil and all that stuff. That's the same idea yep. with ticks. Right. Well, to do that, right, it there, doesn't work. There just isn't enough evidence to be certain this method's going to work. Besides, you just might need those products for other purposes if you're going to survive. Sure. So, <laughs> yeah, I'll tell you though, if you do use it, you would apply it generously to your head. And place a shower cap on overnight. Rinse it out in the morning. Okay, well, then I really don't have that much time left in the show. I know. So, but I think I'm. I want to talk about my next thing. You know, we've been we talked so much about medical preparedness. Well, you don't really spend enough time on dental preparedness. Mm-hmm. And that was one of the things you mentioned that people really need to pay attention to when you were discussing hygiene. Is don't forget your foot care. And don't forget your dental care. That's right. And many of our readers are often surprised that all the stuff that we talk about with regards to survival medicine also includes and devotes a portion of, you know, our attention to dental issues. And that's the the funny thing is there are a lot of people that really believe that they're very medically well prepared, but they really haven't thought at all about devoting much time to Tethuses. being prepared for right as my dad says for dental my health <laughs> absolutely now poor dental health they don't realize can cause issues that can affect the work efficiency of members of your group and survival setting and worse and all of this at a time when your people are most needed to be at 100 percent effectiveness but let's think about it when you have a toothache you know that the amount and quality of work that you're doing is not certainly not 100%. I mean, if your teeth hurt badly, it's unlikely your mind can concentrate on anything other than the pain. Therefore, it only makes sense that you've got to learn basic dental hygiene. You've got to learn uh, dental care. You have to learn procedures if you're going to be the medic to keep your people at full work efficiency. And it could mean the difference between success and failure in a collapse. History tells us that problems with teeth take up a significant portion of a medic's patient load. In the Vietnam War, a lot of medical personnel noted that half of their patients that reported to sick call came with issues relating to their teeth. 
And certainly in a long-term survival setting, you're going to find yourself as dentist as well as being nurse or doctor. Now, a survival medic's philosophy is going to be that an ounce of prevention is worth the pound of cure. And this kind of thinking is especially apt when it comes to your teeth. If you can enforce a regimen of good dental hygiene, you're going to save your loved ones a lot of pain and yourself a few headaches. That is for sure. Now, most dental disease is caused by bacteria, and your mouth is chock full of them, so anything that decreases the amount of bacteria there is going to reduce the chance of developing dental disease, right? By ensuring good oral hygiene, a person's going to increase their risk or, or decrease their risk of needing an appointment to the survival dentist. Hey, we're going to the dentist on Tuesday. Yes, we are. We are walking the walk. We are doing something like that. We're getting that. our teeth cleaned, and we're going to prevent dental disease. Yep, whatever teeth I have left. I <laughs> still have a couple Well, left again, my... your advice to people has been get things done while you can. Get That's your right. eyes done if you need your knees replaced. So, folks, get your regular dental appointments so your teeth aren't ready to fall out if something happens. That's right. Keep that's, them as healthy right. as possible. And by the way, I still have my teeth. Yeah, <laughs> you do. Anyone who's ever met you knows that you have your I'm, teeth. Then I have got a toothy grin. You do. That's right. Now, and you know why it is? Because I have a daily brushing routine, and that indeed is essential. But you know what? In times of trouble, you, one point or another, you're going to run out of toothbrushes, right? Mm. So as an alternative, what can you do? You could use... Your finger with a little toothpaste, just use it in a circular motion over the teeth and gums. And uh, this method works, can work long time, long term, really. Or at least as long as, as you have a finger. Right. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say one thing that you probably haven't written down is that is the washcloth or towel method of wa brushing your teeth. Right. A piece of cloth. Like there that. has been a rare occasion where I have been at a hotel or we've been at a hotel and some reason the first night we didn't have our toothbrushes we did get them the next day but in the morning to make our teeth nice and clean and pearly just take your finger wrap a washcloth if you have it or a small towel around your finger and just use it as if it was a toothbrush or if it was just your finger and rub all of the teeth you'll be surprised at what the washcloth looks at and don't forget your tongue how clean your teeth will be absolutely amazing Absolutely. So you could use a piece of cloth. You can use your finger. Another option, let's say you're out in the wilderness and you're there long term. You've run out of toothbrushes. The, I don't know, Skynet and the Terminators came and <laughs> you're, you're out in the woods somewhere. That's terrible. You know, you, you still have an option. Basically, you can take the end of a twig of live wood and chew on the end of it until it gets all fibrous and use that as a toothbrush to clean your teeth. And any, any twig that can bend will serve the purpose. You don't want to have dead wood because that will just fall apart in your mouth. Uh, and Native Americans use that too. They uh, use, as a matter of fact, black birch specifically was called sweet birch because it had a mild minty taste uh, when they used it to clean their teeth. Mm -hmm. Now, your twig toothbrush can serve dual purposes in that you can always sharpen the other end and use that as a toothpick. Aha. And eventually... Fantastic idea. Right? And since, of course, they're not going to be commercially made toothbrushes, they're not going to be commercially eventually made... Uh, commercially made toothpaste eventually either. Mm -hmm. And 
Baking soda is excellent as an alternative. It's inexpensive. It's less abrasive to dental enamel than manufactured toothpaste, which is based on silica, Mm -hmm. which is is made based on sand, basically. Uh, It's a reasonable choice in normal times or or times of trouble. Well, one suggestion for the baking soda, if you really want to kick it up a notch, is dip your toothbrush in hydrogen peroxide, then dab it in the baking soda. Oh, that's a good idea. And if you really want to make it minty, you can put a drop of peppermint oil on it. Mmm, yum. Yes, and brush your teeth. It it sounds... All natural. It sounds awesome. So, we have a lot of options in terms of being dentally prepared. Well, we have a lot more to talk about with regards to dental preparedness and dental procedures and, and how you can function from a dental standpoint in... Your role is medic. But we're out of time for this week. No, no. That's right. So sad. So I just want to say thank you for listening. Uh, for all of 2015, we appreciate you guys out there. I hope you'll listen in in 2016. I wish you a very happy and healthy new year. See you next time. Hi, I'm Joe Alden, MD of www.doomandbloom.net, where you'll find over 600 posts, videos, and podcasts on medical preparedness. Along with my wife, nurse practitioner Amy Alden, we're the authors of the Amazon bestseller, The Survival Medicine Handbook, with over 200 five-star reviews. A disaster can strike at any time, and the ambulance may not always be heading in your direction. We've got an entire line of medical kits, supplies, and educational resources that can help you deal with injuries and illness in everything from a wilderness hike to the aftermath of a major disaster. Check them out at our shop at store.doomandbloom.net. In a disaster, you'll be glad you did. This show is sponsored by Possums. 
Possums, those beautiful marsupials who you'd think would spell their name starting with a P, but it's really an O. Get one for your home and get some real use out of those rabies shots you keep in that old refrigerator in the woodshed. Oh, possum. Barely Prepared is sponsored by Parrots. Parrots, those lovable squawk boxes that never fail to bring a smile to your face or tears to your eyes when they bite you. Get one for your home and prepare to hear it imitate your ex-girlfriend for the next 60 years. Available on Amazon.com or in the Amazon jungle.